be humble and fallible and honest at the beginning about what you're trying to do and what you're trying to set up because actually brands want to be on that journey with you. They want to be part of your growth and support you. Hello and welcome. I'm Kate and this is the Freelance Founders Podcast where we talk to creatives who have designed their own careers. We're so grateful to be able to interview these bright minds and share their incredible journeys with you. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Freelance Founders Podcast. Today, I am speaking with the co-founders of Morning, Sam Jackson and Lydia Pang. Welcome both, and thank you so much for being here with me today. I'm so excited to be chatting. Yay, I can't wait. Thanks for having us. Of course. So we start off every podcast by asking our guests what their individual first freelance rate was. Throughout my whole career, I was like a big fat corporate sellout. So I never really like was freelance, but there was a Mm. tiny moment in between jobs when I was like a middleweight kind of art director type level. I think I charged about 300 pounds a day and I was like, oh my God, I'm rich. That's actually really good. You are rich. I thought so. I was a hustler at the time. (laughs) Compared to what I got. That's a good rate. Sam, how about you? So mine was 120 pounds. That was working for Jack Wills. As soon as I got out of university, I thought it was the best thing ever that I was getting paid. But at that time, I thought I thought it was fantastic. So yeah, I was I was like very lucky to land a design job straight out of a design degree. And I thought at the time, 120 pounds was like the best thing ever. Also ballsy to be freelance straight out of uni, Sam. I think it was by accident. I don't. I think I applied for like a hundred different places. Mm. <laughs> Literally, like I remember r- r- applying for like creative director at like you know Virgin <laughs> or whatever it was. I think straight out of university. Bless. But yeah, no, I was very very lucky to land that job. If you could both just give me a really quick career path and story from where you started to where you are today, that would be great. I kind of self-defined misfit Frankenstein type creative person. I've always been a bit of a generalist. Started off my career working at like one of the biggest ad agencies, MNC Saatchi. Right at the bottom, I was like art buying assistant intern, kind of told every Friday if I could come back on the Monday, which is a horrible way to exist. But um, I definitely earned my stripes there. Ended up taking over that department and being head of content, which was like a cute phrase 10 or 12 years ago. And obviously now is like the world. And so I was there for quite a while and then at different ad agencies bouncing around, always in working in like mission driven marketing. That was like my thing. And then I was the creative director at Refinery29 in New York, which was kind of my dream job, honestly. Mission, community, working for a feminist media platform. It was awesome. Loved it. So I was there for quite a while. And then inevitably went over to Nike uh, headquarters in Portland, where I met Sam. There I worked on a couple of different categories, but um, most excited I was about women's. I was kind of there for that job. And so that was my last kind of position there, creative leadership role. And now I'm the co-founder of Morning with my dear friend, Sam. <laughs> How lovely. Well, you know my start of like creative director out of Australia. Uni. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I I went straight into a freelance role after my design degree. I was like not very good at design when I was at university, even though I was doing a design course. I was way better at making friends and just like bouncing around and doing like different odd jobs while I was in London. So super lucky to be able to land that job straight out of university. And at that time, it was like Instagram was just kind of starting up and no one really wanted to work on it. And I was like thrown that as like my first kind of job while I was there. It was kind of like 
into digital straight away. And then an opportunity came up at MTV to be in a new team there. And that was focused on like the kind of style and gossip section of the website. So I transitioned there and was the social designer on a lot of the kind of IP that they own, such as like X on the Beach and some of the other like incredibly fun TV shows that they had out at the time. That was my, my PC way of talking about it. From there, kind of transition, just like continue to transition into different brands. So from MTV, I moved to Topshop and I was kind of social designer there. From Topshop, I went to Burberry and Burberry is kind of where I really like spread my wings and kind of got really into innovation within the kind of social sector. So there I kind of started and then started to run a team that specifically focused on like social innovation so like the very first like snapchat lens messenger bots like we were really kind of encouraged at at burberry to kind of think outside the box and do some really fun things and then from there transition to the us to portland to be within a team of one at nike global hq in a team that was called the digital center of excellence and it was basically just me i didn't come up with that name someone else did (laughs) yeah sure (laughs) And my job there was to kind of bounce around the different category creative uh, teams to kind of advise them on how to make their campaigns more digitally friendly, kind of sprinkle a bit of like digital, like fairy dust onto different projects they had there. And then from there, transition to social creative director role. And that's kind of where I met Lydia. And we did some incredible productions together and kind of formed the idea that we wanted to start our own company and do what we were doing there, but just do it on a kind of a larger scale and with, with more, more brands. So that's kind of the story of my career so far. It's so interesting that you both have worked from Lydia, you ha- you come from very much like the agency side of things. And Sam, you come from much more of the brand side of things. So it's a really great marriage for both of you. And then meeting at Nike and working on productions together for a huge global brand that has so much influence across so many different channels. What made you decide to start your own agency? Was it something that was from Nike that you just were like, this is the time? I know you guys wanted to work with more brands and do the same thing that you were doing there, but could you just share a little bit more about what made you decide to start Morning? I think it was honestly more that the two of us met there over like such strong shared values around the fact that the world should be better and storytelling and brands were the vehicles through which to get that done. And that was really how we met. That was like, it was so obvious that we both believed that like fundamentally in the work. But I think also we struck up a friendship over the fact that we were both super entrepreneurial or like to think we were. And so we loved like a personal project and a side hustle. And like on the weekends, our friends would be like hanging out, being cool. And we'd be like dreaming up random business ideas in the car. And then we'd be like, what are we doing? We need to like do our own thing. Like it's in us. Like I remember we had this like funny Google doc we made. And on the weekend we like met and it had all our like business ideas. We were just so excited about the idea of creating something together, I think, that Nike, for all its brilliance and the amazing experience it was, we felt like it had to be something that was ours. I think I remember I was having a conversation about like what we do in our downtime and like how we like to spend holidays. And then we both came up with like the same like realization that we both kind of sat by the by the beach or by the pool with a notepad and tried to come up with like business ideas. This is obviously before we met each other. And so that Google document that Lydia just mentioned is basically 10 years worth of like stupid business ideas that Lydia and I both come up with separately. And then we threw them together and we're like, is there any that you like from my list? And it's like, did you, is there any that you like from my list? 
And actually, like, morning started off being called Be Less Shit. And it was, like, another idea that Lydia had had in the past paired with, like, an idea that I had. And, yeah, it just kind of really worked in lots of different ways from, like, a friendship way and, like, a shared values and uh, entrepreneurship and just kind of always wanting to do a little bit more. Yeah, it's funny because I feel like we have a lot of banter between us because we are also good friends, of course, because being a business partner with someone is another type of marriage. But for the record, also, when I met Sam, I was like, oh, I've never met anyone that's like better than me. And like, I feel like all of my jobs... That's on the record. I was always like, oh, I can outwork anyone. Like when it comes to insight, when it comes to being on top of trends, when it comes to like putting it in like a slick keynote, like I got that. And then I met this prick and I was like, oh, okay, I've met my match. This person is like as good as me. Well, I can say you both compliment each other very, very well. I've sat on on multiple pitches between the two of you and and you both bring such a different type of energy which just really works together so that's really nice to see because sometimes you don't always you don't always see that or co-founders play very different roles one plays very much the like finance role and then the other one plays the more creative role where with you 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 both kind of I feel like split it very evenly which is really really nice to see I want to go into now kind of more of your management styles and team environment. So as co-founders, what are your management styles and what is your team environment like? Well, I'm good cop. I think Lydia's bad cop. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I think throughout my career, I've like always progressed by being like one the nicest guy in the room and always wanting to be liked. I think that's probably an issue I should figure out separately than this conversation. But yeah, I think that like I just want to always bring like a positivity and make sure that just everyone is feeling like they're most comfortable when they're working with us. That's why we made a lot of the decisions that we made when we decided to hire into morning and into our team around balance and around creativity and positivity and and making sure everyone is just having like a great time that complements their lifestyle and and the way they want to live their life. From my perspective, I want to inspire the team. I want to kind of share everything that I've learned across the years and to like continue to push into the future and these like new ideas that kind of morning is really getting known for whilst just being also a really fun person to work with. So that's kind of my perspective. I do think morning has been built on like past trauma experiences that Sam and I have had in different workplaces. We've almost been like, if we could build it though, how would we have wanted it? And I think because we have both worked across everything from tech to media, agency to brand, like between the two of us, we've seen it all. And I've seen all the different structures. I've managed massive teams. And so with Morning, we were really mindful to build it how we wanted it. Something we want to show up to every day, like something I actually want to do. Because like, you know, we left our big fancy jobs. We're, we're setting this up. It's a lot of work. And, you know, Morning is like the biggest joy, but also the biggest like imposter syndrome ever. Because I'm doing it with Sam, I feel calm and cool. But like, yeah, it's a big reason why we made a lot of the decisions like four day work week, flexible hours. It's all about culture and building a nice, happy place where people can like come up with sick ideas. And in terms of the hiring strategy, you know, I've hired a lot and trained a lot of big teams before, but it's different when it's your own because, you know, you want to build it so that people stay with you for like the long term and they feel excited and part of them is in mourning. That's like, you know, we're building it together. It was really interesting when we were hiring because we thought more about shared values than we did about like hard skills and like checking different boxes. Oh, have you had experience in this or this or this? And actually it was more about like the vibe, the energy and that person really feeling like they were bought into our mission and our values around like brands being vehicles for good. 
And so actually, I love that we're sort of a bunch of misfit hybrid people and our, our meeting place is our value system. And in terms of managerial style, I feel like I'm, as a person, quite like no bullshit. I'm very like to the point. But I do think like clarity is kindness. And I've learned that over the years. You know, I have the tendency to be a bit, well, bit of a people pleaser. But actually, I feel like being super clear with the team, setting them up so that they can like live out their truth is the most important thing. Because I've worked for some of the biggest and best companies in the world, but have not always felt seen. And so I think it's really important for everyone to have their unique journey, career growth journey inside morning, even if it ends up that they don't stay with us. It's like, that's not really, that doesn't really bother me. I would just be happy to know that they enjoyed themselves or they were here. Well, I also feel like as we all did, when you go from one job to the next, you always take something from your old job to the next. And so if you're able to give those learnings and that growth, you're going to carry that on with you throughout your career. So that's, I think, a really great investment that you put back into your employees and the people that you hire, especially from a values perspective as well. Larger companies, sometimes they don't really put that big investment into their their employees besides paying them. And yet often in those companies, we are referred to as family and the team is like fam and family. And I, I hate that. I hate that because you don't fire people in your family. You don't bring up like issue business issues with family. Like, it's such a strange construct that we've applied to the workplace And so like Sam and I literally said on boarding day, like we are not family, like we are a community, we we work together, we all have a shared goal, but like first things first, we're not family. I love the idea of like instilling our values into, into our team, but also just Lydia, to your point about like them having the best time while they're with us, because, you know, you never know, you know, one of our team members now may go on to do something like insane and, and incredible. And we may be working for them one day. And, you know, that we want, we want them to kind of instill that same value system when, when we might be working for them or they may go on to do something incredible. And I would love them to kind of reference their time at morning as, either a pivotal point in their career or, you know, the catalyst for them to like be empowered to go and do something incredible next in their job, or even just say they had like a really fun time. I think that is from our perspective, really important and something that we look forward to in the future. I would love to get a little bit more into your values and the, and the DNA of morning, because you've, you've really put a lot of pride into that. That's such a key Thing, as you mentioned, especially when hiring people, you share the same values. Can you just share a little bit more about what those values are and what they mean to you in your company? So it's interesting because like there is no shortage of like cute, trendy agency studios, right? And so we weren't really interested in kind of like continuing on, like creating another one and just like doing the same shit. We were like, well, we need to have a point of distinction as a business, but we also need to want to leave our big shiny jobs, get up every day for it. So how can it be mission driven in a way that's like benefits the business? Doing good is good for business. And how can it be something that is a bit of a rally cry that people will want to work for and be part of? So we built Morning in, you know, very much from this like position of like, it's a new day. And I mean, the last couple of years have evidenced that we are now living in a time in internet and culture where the expectation of brands is to be a vehicle for good and push culture forward. And we take that very seriously as a responsibility that we carry as marketers, storytellers. And so Morning was really based on this premise that it is a new day and we need to ask ourselves to be less shit and make the world less shit every single day. 
And so the, how that manifests is like a few things. Like we love good trouble. We're all about the no bullshit conversations. We love chatting to clients, getting straight to the ugly truth. We've won most of our business from being like that and operating in that super candid, no bullshit way. We're also, we're constantly asking ourselves, the community and brands to be better, to be less shit, which is something we say a lot and we've got on a tote. And a tattoo. And a tattoo, both of us. You have. I've got more in it. <laughs> yeah, it's on my belly. But yeah, so it's um, con- this idea of conscious commissioning and just like upholding our work to being better, thinking about intersectional research principles, thinking about commissioning principles. You know, if you're going to show up and you're going to help a brand insert themselves into a cultural moment, how can they do that ethically and in a sustained way? We're very set up to do that type of work because we give a shit. I don't really want to come up with a load of fun, cool digital ideas, honestly, and then watch them litter the Internet and mean nothing and contribute nothing to an economy or a specific group of people. And so, yeah, we kind of have these these values that are that are twofold. They are inform the work we do and the type of briefs we take on and don't and how we run the team. But they're also kind of like. I don't know, it's, it's truth serum. We make sure that we're like constantly looking at them and being like, well, are we fulfilling that? Does the team feel that? If the team needs budget or time or resource to go off and fulfill a project that's important and laddering into this mission, then we need to make sure that happens. Like we're not driven by huge growth and money. We're driven by making morning sustained, meaningful and actually valuable to the community and to our brands. It's funny because like doing good is good for business long term, but it takes a little bit of like bravery and self-worth to know that like mourning is something that will be along, around for a long time. I think I would add as well, it's, it's obviously values that we came up with at the beginning when we were creating mourning and actually they haven't changed too much. And, you know, we've held, held each other accountable prior to hiring anyone. And now we tell our team to hold us accountable to those values and for them to constantly re- remind us about it. But also I think it's mirrored in like the creative industry more broadly, like prior to creating the brand and and our studio, we did a research body of work that we called the crisis of creativity. And we interviewed like 30, 40 of our like friends within the industry and just asked them like how they were doing, like any, any pitfalls, anything that's like upsetting you or annoying you. You know, we have like pages and pages of this Google doc, which is like incredible to read through, kind of depressing. But a lot of the the things that our friends were saying were very similar, you know, in terms of like, you know, how they felt and how they felt they were being treated and stuff like that. And that kind of really formed the basis of like our business and our values and how we kind of go to, you know, how we can actually wake up every day and go to work and instill that into the, into our work and into our team. So yeah, obviously really grateful for the people who like helped us on that journey at the beginning, but I think it reflects like where people want to see the creative industry move into. And so we're really lucky and and happy and privileged to be able to be like part of that, honestly. It's interesting to talk to other freelancers currently too, or people that have started their own agencies that are putting values very much at the core because coming up in any industry, those kind of get lost. But I feel like within the just the last few conversations I've been having amongst the freelance community and the with freelance founders, it's just like how important values are when you're joining or taking on new clients or joining a new agency. Because I think people are looking for that working environment that brings them happiness and they look forward to working with the agency or their client on a regular basis. And for me personally, it's become such a big driver. One of my goals for my career is to work with people that really meet my values and also 
people I want to work with that are doing good or stand behind a mission that's really important to me. So I think sharing how important the values are and even just how you've built morning based on those values in the DNA, I think it's just really, really important. I think you raise a really interesting point about how popular it's becoming as well. I find that exciting because people are upholding themselves to higher standards with their work. But I also find it a little troubling because so much of that will be like optics or surface. That's just the nature of things. And so it's exciting, I think, when you think, you know, when we interrogate those values and how they're being lived in behaviors and true business decisions, because it's one thing to have it like on a tote, like I said, and it's another thing for it to be like intrinsic to the way the business is run. Like when I think about our morning people fund, like we literally take some of our profits and pour it straight back into original creativity that we believe should exist for no reason other than we think that the creative community should have money to make cool shit because brands and advertising is constantly inspired by that community. And we just take It's so transactional. And so it's important to us that our revenue model has that circularity baked in. And I think that's the true definition of a value system when Mm -hmm. it informs the infrastructure of a company, not just like, like I said, written on a tote. I I also think to that as well, like we are not perfect. Like we are constantly learning and constantly iterating and constantly looking back at other old projects and being like, how could we have been less shit in that instance? Like, how could we have uphold our values a little bit more? Or, you know, we hold our hands up and with a saying, and we believe that we are based on like this value system and we are trying our hardest essentially to uphold that. And I think that like that paired with like constantly looking back and seeing how we could have done better is like going to keep pushing us into new spaces and keep pushing our work forward as well. That's such a good point. That fallibility is a big part of our brand, isn't it? And, you know, having worked with some of the biggest ad agencies in the world, you, you know, you're taught to hide the imperfections and to kind of exaggerate and to like make it glossy. And I'm proud of the fact that Morning is happy to be a little ugly sometimes and show the seams. I want to hear a little bit more from from you both about social media. Social media is currently such a big driver for brands. So as a social strategy agency, where do you think the importance of social media is headed and what is the future for it? This is massive. (laughs) This is massive. (laughs) I'm going to try to distill it into a few different avenues, I guess, because I could literally talk about this for ages. Obviously, there's a massive shift right now from Web 2 to Web 3. Web 2, for those of you who don't know the terminology or do Web2 is like the collective term for the kind of state of the web we're in right now, e.g. run by kind of three or four major social media platforms. There is a big transition or like a pushback against that right now, which is the Web3 movement, which essentially is like a decentralized kind of movement away from those. So, you know, people taking the power back into their own hands, the rise of like the creator economy, for example, where it's actually people are creating either content or things for themselves and selling it versus like having to go through the social media platform. So that's first and foremost is like there's a big push against what we've kind of all been born into and think is normal. Secondly, is the fact that actually we're at kind of the mercy of the social media platforms right now. So there was a big issue kind of a couple of months back where where Facebook and Instagram like went dead for like a whole day. And then everyone was like really worried their business wasn't going to be able to run. And so that's kind of a really scary thing to think about. But when we're working with brands, it's something that we always have to keep in mind is that actually like every single day, we're constantly hit with new updates or new trends or new things that are happening on these platforms 
that we're constantly having to kind of tell our, our, our clients that is happening and then like constantly adapt the way that we're thinking and the way that we're creating strategies against them. So, you know, internally at morning, we have a couple of the team members that just keep us up to, to up to date on every trend that's happening that specific week. So then we can inform our clients of that. And then thirdly, I think just, I know there were kind of two quite <laughs> ominous, like not super positive ways of looking at social media, but the third is that it's just a really exciting space generally. Like I'm a futurist. I love thinking about, you know, what's going to happen, what can happen. And so I think that, you know, there's been so many brands and so many small businesses built off of social that kind of thrive on there. And I, I'm really excited about the new transition into Web3 and creator economy, but also the accountability and evolution of Web2 and where that's going and how these kind of social media platforms can really help kind of shape small businesses and brands in the future. So that's kind of my perspective. And, and there's there's so many things we can we can talk about in terms of social. But yeah, I think it's it's equally scary and super exciting. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I agree with everything Sam said, but I will just add, I kind of see social as this like amazing dystopian hellscape that I kind of can't help but be part of. And I, I love that it's such an ugly, harsh mirror on society. I find that fascinating. So I think we're in this, I'm an art history graduate. And so I think about like these phases in culture in the similar way that like art movements have shifted. And I feel like we're in this space in Web2 now where it's like complete abstract expressionist explosion of like no meaning, no aesthetic, no strategy even. And so it's interesting for us as strategists and type A organizing people who love to make things really clear for the client to actually say that often the strategy is like an anti-strategy or it's to be really agile or nimble or observe or not be present. And so it's kind of this exciting space where social is like kind of like gross and at this weird peak of self-referential photo dump dystopian like so I love that about it and I find that really fascinating in how ugly it is but also a really exciting opportunity because we're not in this realm of like here's how here's your posting cadence for um Instagram you know like a few years ago a social media agency would have been shoveling out a lot of that whereas I feel like at morning often social strategy looks like interrogating if the brand should even be on that platform. And if they are, why? And in what way can they contribute value? If not, don't bother. And so it's kind of this exciting phase of interrogating the meaning of social for brands, which I love. Also, you know, we, we're just going to, we're always kept on our toes because it changes and because it moves so fast. Every year there's a new challenge. Like every, like every single brand and person that I knew last year wanted to get a TikTok. Whereas every brand and person I know this year wants to kind of move into Discord or kind of reinvigorate their Twitter or launch an NFT project and see how that goes. And so I think that like with the ever changing landscape of social means that our job is constantly exciting and, you know, we'll always have stuff to work on <laughs> in a way. You say that really well, actually, Sam, about how like because our mission at Morning is like so clear just to use leverage digital and the web for good, make the world a little bit less shit every day. It kind of, the expression and execution of that can evolve as digital and social does. It doesn't really matter what the medium is. It's like that value system remains the same. And then the tactical expression of it shifts with culture and tech. Okay, well, I want to follow up this question now. You guys kind of touched on this a little bit. Obviously, you work with brands that are either new and just launching or heritage brands that have been around but are like, how do we do social these days? Like, how do we make it better? How do we change our tone of voice? What would be your biggest tip 
for a company who is launching or wanting to grow their social media? Well, I would say for a new brand, I would interrogate first what your digital persona is. Like, what is your reason to exist on digital and social? And how are you going to benefit and add value to the community? Because otherwise, you're just an echo chamber and you're regramming and it's just like weird if you don't have a distinct point of view. So I would interrogate what that point of view is before spending money and time on populating an account for like an audience that isn't yet there. So if I were a new brand launching now, like when we were launching Morning on Instagram, we were like, what's our point? Like, what's the value here? Like, what are we trying to do for the community? Because if the if the answer isn't clear, you shouldn't be posting yet. You know, it's like do that work first. Yeah, and I think for like an established brand, it's it's going back to the roots of that brand specifically, like making sure that their like brand strategy is super tight before trying to like band-aid a, a social strategy or solve it through a social strategy. So that's the very first thing is like look back and make sure just like the bones of everything you're trying to brief in, you know, matches up to your core values as a brand and your narrative. I think that's what Nike did really well, like the just do it narrative has just been the thread throughout everything and so then it's a lot easier to like create content for that brand because they know their values and they've stuck with them for 50 years i think another thing though with more established brands is agility when a company has so many people in it and so much red tape and lots and lots of sign off social moves way too fast for that to even be (laughs) even be in consideration And so, you know, almost getting out of your own way in a way and allowing the people who are the experts, e.g. the social creators or social media strategists to do their job and listen to them and take their advice and know that, you know, social is a place that forgets. People will put out a bit of content and then tomorrow there'll be 5,000 other bits of content that people will see. So it's a really transient, like quick place where everyone has like a really short, you know, attention span. And so therefore, you know, experimentation is really key as well. So, you know, making sure that like, you know, even if you you are experimenting and being agile, that you are still kind of like living those core brand values. I would love to get a little bit more into like your clients. So what is the ideal morning client? Do you guys have like a specific profile or are there specific things you look for when you're taking on new clients? I think for me, it's an appetite for change to be open to the infiltrate from within mindset you know a lot of us creatives marketers people we partner with we all want our work to be meaningful in some small way and it's not like i'm upholding every single campaign and every shoe drop to these like huge world changing metrics it's just that we all want to contribute something of value and so i think it's awesome when we partner with people who share those values and have an appetite for really candid honest conversations about the way that we can shift the business with brand. Those are like dream clients. And honestly, I don't care if you're like big, small, cool, a little evil, that's fine. Like we love infiltrating from within and like helping people figure out with with their power, scale and reach how to like serve the community better. So yeah, for me, it's more of like that mindset shared versus like specific brands. Alongside that, I also like the idea that some brands may be open to like changing the system somehow like with social for example everything has gotten really like data driven and like we must listen to the data etc and with everything with you know society political etc there's that seesaw we're getting to a point where you know we should just like do stuff or like kind of fuck the system up a little bit and like try stuff you know balenciaga have done an amazing job of just like not listening to data (laughs) in a way and just like deleting everything every month 
and not like, you know, collecting thousands of images in the feed in their Instagram. And so I, I like the idea that, you know, some brands would be open to just being really like, you know, it's a, an overused word, but being like disruptive in, in a way in marketing and, and being open to like big disruption. And that can ultimately lead to like big change, infrastructural change at some of these big social media companies if it's influential enough. So yeah, I like the idea that, you know, com- companies and brands would be open to that idea. Do you feel like more and more brands are looking to the Balenciagas and the more disruptive quote unquote brands and companies out there right now? Or do you feel like people are still really trying to stick to the data and cracking the algorithm? It's so complicated because obviously with like data, you know, a lot of these companies are there to like sell product or to sell something. And so therefore like they need to be able to like tie like ROI and spend to like, you know, actually what they're going to be bringing in and mm-hmm. how much product they're going to be selling, etc. So, you know, we love a morning to go in and like pitch these ideas and, and either they get, they get taken or like some small element of it starts to influence their work moving forward. So we love to kind of like test the waters and try all the time and be a little bit cheeky and a little bit disruptive anyway. But we know, you know, that sometimes it's like, you know, very political internally or like they just want to sell lots of product or something like that. So I think wherever we can add value, we love doing that. But a lot of the time, you know, it does take brands to be a little bit brave, a little bit bold to actually go and like take those risks. But we have seen those risks pay off, you know, like Balenciaga is like one of the most talked about brands all the time. And I think Mm -hmm. it's because they do things differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with that. We're lucky to work with a lot of clients who trust us. And we've, I'm the first to say, like, we, we really earned that trust. And that's why we're not a social media studio. And, you know, we are strategists. I always say that we're the strategy nerds. We're really good at taking the internal teams on that journey, proving why being bold consistently is actually very useful and, and of benefit to growth. And so I feel like we are good at making people feel safe about testing a little bit more. So, and I think that's because we are strategists first and foremost. We're not driven by the fact that we want to like get out a certain film or work on a certain activation. Like we're not production driven in that way. We truly want to connect business opportunity with what the culture and what the community wants. I love that. I think that that's a great way to be looking at what you are capable of doing and what you do do with your clients. I think that that's super important work, especially in this, in the marketing space. I want to go back to your campaign, Be Less Shit. You've touched on that multiple times throughout the podcast. What does it mean to you and how are you helping brands be less shit every day? I think in the beginning, it started off as like a bit of like a a call to action to ourselves, just like as a constant reminder to, in everything we do, just try to be a little less shit, (laughs) which I don't know, it kind of sounds like negative, but it's almost like we try to see it as like a positive thing. You know, we just wanted to wake up and just push ourselves in everything we were doing and be more ethical and, and do things the right way in everything that we that we touch, whether it be like the team or work, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, I think that's how it started and how it still is. But also we always get like a little giggle from clients and people we tell it <laughs> or like it. whatever whenever my belly shows up in like a creds deck. <laughs> it's a bit like, well that's a bit weird. What kind of part of the body is that? <laughs> um, well like, is it Sam? <laughs> I like the fact that we work with predominantly like US based clients almost completely. And yet it has this British 
dry cynicism about it. Someone once said to us that they felt like mourning was like gross and like motivating. And I love the like combination of those two things, how we're like, you know, if you look at our Instagram, it's like loads of like kind of like gross, ridiculous images, but everything's like be your best self. (laughs) And so I kind of like this idea of being be less shit, being like, yeah, call to action, but also like it isn't that like girl boss energy. It's not like be less shit today, be the best version of you today. It isn't that. It's let's all just be a tiny little bit less shit incrementally and how actually that tiny little bit every day incrementally shows shows up. And so that's why I like it. It feels manageable. It's like a manageable and, uh, enough amount of being good. And I think also it's a little bit of reaction to like this this culture around like, yeah, girl bossing, fulfilling your potential, all of that like culture that actually led to me having like, you know, pretty significant burnout. And I'm like, you know, a resilient person. Like I, I didn't realize, in fact, that I had a really toxic relationship with productivity and with work. Building morning on this premise of like, let's all just try and be a little bit less shit. It feels like freeing. It's also, we, we tested out like the opposite, which is obviously be better, like be less shit or be better. Be better sounded like we were being told off or, or that we were really shit. Whereas to Lydia's point, it's like that kind of British cynicism and like a little bit funny. But yeah, we push it out across everything now. Like we did a cool campaign partnered with an amazing studio called Page Masters. We did a print with them. And yeah, I mean, any way that we can like bring it to life, like we get excited about because we feel like it's funny, but also meaningful. I appreciate the part that you said, like be less shit, a little less shit every day. It kind of takes away that pressure of like, which comes with the burnout. It's too much pressure. And I think- Society definitely is putting so many pressures on us as it is. And that's all we're asking of brands, you know, we're, we're not asking them to be these incredible beacons of hope for society. You know, a brand's a brand at the end of the, end of the day, and it can be a vehicle for good, but like it just takes the pressure off a little bit because we are living in this really like reactive and active call out culture where everyone's upheld to these like crazy standards. And I think that fallibility an admission that we are all a little bit shit, but every day we're trying to be better. It just feels like humanizing and like a relief. And that's how we want brands to feel when they work with us. Like we're not accusing them of being shit. We're just saying that like there's an opportunity every day for us to get incrementally better. And we're really good at shepherding that process, which has won us a lot of our retainers where clients have said, we trust you. You always speak the fucking truth. You get straight to it. Like I trust you to take me on this journey and figure it out. Even though it's like seemingly a trivial colloquial sentence, it's actually informed our business strategy. Your team recently launched a newsletter called Burn After Reading. Very exciting. Could you just tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So being a digital strategy company means that we have to just be on the pulse of like all trends and and almost like be a little bit ahead anyway and try and figure out what's coming and and make those predictions. And I think that internally um, we have a like a Slack channel called Cool Shit and it's like popping off. And we were like, you know, the team like has a really like unique perspective and, and point of view. We have a really fun tone of voice that we love flexing across like social media and like our creds deck and stuff like that. And so, yeah, a couple of our team members kind of really kind of dug into it and, and came up with like an amazing proposition. And we launched it a couple of weeks ago and it's, it's grown really quickly. It's been received really well. And, and I think internally at the morning, everyone's really excited about f- figuring out where it can go in the future and how we can continue to inspire outside of our company. 
the team did an amazing job and it's and it's a really fun read but also it still kind of maintains our tone of voice and so it's you know there's swear words in there and and like it's very punk <laughs> in 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 the way it's written but yeah i love it we're about to put out one about vampire mode which is very us but i was just going to add to that from a business strategy perspective, just to like spill the tea a bit, it's also a, it's a culture building tool. It gives the team a platform from which to like be creative outside of client work, which is really important mm-hmm. to them feeling and being heard and them feeling like they're progressing as creatives. And also like strategically, morning should be building IP and thinking about ways to be of benefit to the community and as, as a standalone brand. Because, you know, we've been going for a year. We've seen tremendous success. We love our team. We love all our clients. But like future facing, we need to think about how to ensure morning is really robust as a standalone brand. They actually want to work with morning and mm-hmm. morning is starting to get known for a certain set of values and ways of doing things. And so from a, business, a slightly drier business strategy perspective, building IP like that is important for a studio and any brand to do. That's great. I think it's also newsletters are having such a moment right now. My final question before we get into like the last three questions I ask everybody Do you have any tips for people who want to start an agency? Not to be soppy, Sam, look away. Probably find your like person, find your like co-founder. It is not easy. And I feel like every day I'm grateful that we are doing this together and that we're like a partnership. So I would say find your person. Obviously, I have to agree with that. Yeah. Okay, (laughs) Um, Mish, come on. (laughs) No, 100% agree. Like it's so, I mean, it's a, it's a privilege to work with Lydia every day. And like, it's also really, really fun um, to have someone there, like to hold you accountable, but also to like share the successes in, like, it's just the best. And I think that, you know, we, we worked really, really hard, even get to the point where we were like ready to launch morning and to like mm-hmm. start. And, and as Lydia mentioned before, but like laden with like imposter syndrome but like getting to that place where we felt like now is the time we're really comfortable to like do that and we did a lot of work as i mentioned we did that like body of research the crisis of creativity we did and that was on the weekend while we were working on nike jobs you know saturday and sunday we would meet up and work we would work very hard on the weekend and we did a we did very long naming exercise which (laughs) is hilarious (laughs) to read back through because Oh my word. But yeah. very happy in where we landed. We worked really hard and we are very happy that we're running this together. Also, at the beginning, we were like, not an agency. We were like, let's just make this cool brand and be like, oh, me and Sam have gone freelance. And like, it's scary. Like the idea of calling optics of scale is one way of doing it. But I, we just, we couldn't pretend we were this big studio because we weren't. It was literally just me and Sam. And so I think be be humble and fallible and honest at the beginning about what you're trying to do and what you're trying to set up. Because actually brands want to be on that journey with you. They want to be part of your growth and support you. And actually, sometimes I think freelancers try and make themselves look bigger and like they have all these capabilities and stuff. And you end up drowning yourself in ambition. But also, like I said, like being more fallible with partners is a way to create that long-term loyalty. And we, we've got that, you know, and it's been really awesome to like, you know, out of the gate, obviously, we both left Nike and a lot of our Nike friends were like, we'll help you out. We'll throw you some freelance work. And we really proved our worth with that brand. And I'm happy to say we're still working with them now. But yeah, so I would I would say that as well. Don't don't kind of like crumble to the pressure of appearing huge when you're just not. I respect that because I feel like there's a lot of competitiveness out in the yeah. freelance and there's a lot you compare yourself a lot. 
I even had that conversation with myself. You kind of just have to see how it, it grows organically. And I feel like you guys have had a really organic, fast growth, which is incredible, but it all stemmed from you two finding each other and trusting in, in each other to actually leave a full-time job and start a company together, which is incredible. All right. These are the last three questions. Everybody measures success in a different way. How do you measure success and what does it mean to you? I think for me, it just means being, feeling excited, like by, by your day and autonomy. Honestly, I grew up with really entrepreneurial parents. They ran their own businesses. My parents were always around and like, we didn't have a turn, but we were, we were comfortable and it was felt, it felt nice to, I really admire the way they ran their lives. They wanted to be there. They wanted to have the random days off and hang out with us. And I just, I want that autonomy where for me, success looks like starting work when I want to, working when I'm in the vibe and in the zone, not when I'm not, and actually being in control of my time and the type of life I want to live. Yeah. So that's probably my success metric autonomy. Yeah. I mean, I have to agree with your first, first point on like the excitement. Like I literally wake up every single day way too early because I'm like (laughs) too excited to start the day. And I think that we've managed to create, you know, make morning into like a bit of a playground for ourselves and our creativity and and fun. And so I love the idea that like, I'm not really sure what's going to happen next week, but I'm sure Mm -hmm. it's going to be really exciting. And what really amazing opportunity do we get to decide whether we take on or not is like super exciting and, and really fun. And that is to me is success with morning specifically is just to continue to create this playground for fun, whether it's for the rest of our lives or for the next five years or whatever, just creating that space to be able to like live our best life. I love both of those. So you guys have be less shit. Do you guys have any other taglines you use personally or with the team that you would like to share? Uh, I say infiltrate from within a lot. I mm-hmm. love this idea of like partnering with like the biggest brands and the the baddest and being like in there, right in the belly of the beast. That's how I built my career, honestly. And so I love that ethos of infiltrate from within. Punk positive is another one that we use a lot, which essentially is kind of like if you it's very obvious if you look at our Instagram, I think Lid mentioned it before, but it's kind of like that punk spirit partnered with like constantly trying to be like optimistic and, and opportunity led. I rarely say the word problem anymore. I always like try and twist it into the word opportunity because it's like the nice thing to think about. But um, but yeah, punk positive is, is from a morning perspective. And then I love the fact that we're kind of like nerds or like and we lean into that. And so, yeah, we, we do call ourselves like cool nerds a little bit. <laughs> I think we're chic nerds. Chic nerds. I would say chic nerds. I think that it fits the brand perfectly as well. And to finish it off, the last question, I started at the beginning asking you all, what was your first freelance rate? What is morning's ballpark rate? Mm, a lot more than, <laughs> a lot more yeah, than a lot I was more charging. Than 120 <laughs> yeah. pounds a day. We know our value. And I think that, you know, we uh, know our team's value and what we can bring to brands. And so, you know, we price accordingly, but anything from four to six figures depending on the project, depending on the client, depending on the time. But yeah, we have an incredible studio team that help us along that journey as well. Lots of zeros. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're so excited to see Morning 
grow and to see your work out there in the digital space. So thank you both Sam and Lydia for joining me today. I've had a great chat with you. Thanks, Kay. You're the best. We love talking to you. Thank you so much for listening to my chat with Lydia Peng and Sam Jackson. To find out more about Morning, head over to their Instagram at morning.fyi. To learn more about freelance founders, head over to our website, freelancefounders.com and follow us on Instagram at Freelance Founders. We hope you'll share, subscribe, rate and review the Freelance Founders podcast, which is available for free on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day. 